A reading from the book of Galatians. Now, before faith came, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. So then the law was our guardian until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under our guardian. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. The word of the Lord. Good morning. Welcome again to One Fellowship. My name's Drew. I'm the pastor of discipleship here. And it really is so good to be with you as we start off this new year. I want us to start off today by asking this question. I've been thinking about that this, this, this week. Um, have you ever had to be completely reliant on someone else? As I was thinking about this, a time came to mind a couple years ago. My wife, Laura, and I, we went to meet her family in Tennessee. We had a cabin for Christmas. And the first two days were fantastic. Now, to lay some backstory, I would tell her and everyone else every year when it came to November, December, and people tend to get flu shots, that I didn't need a flu shot because I don't get the flu. And every year, Laura would remind me that the year before I had got the flu. And this year was no different. I didn't get a flu shot. And so the first two days were great. And then that third day, I got completely wiped out with the flu. And it was worse than, than anything I've ever felt before. It's the closest I've ever felt to not making it out of the flu. And uh, I was completely dependent on everyone around me. I felt pathetic. Her parents had to drive me back to their I could hardly get out of the car. I could hardly get from room to room, and that lasted for several days. And I absolutely hated it because I felt so weak. And I was thinking this week, why does that bother me so much? Why is dependence such a struggle? Maybe you can relate with this. Maybe when it comes to relationships, being dependent is a real struggle. You'd rather go solo. Uh, when, when you struggle... Um, to let people in because maybe there's a resistance to being vulnerable. Maybe you prefer to keep things to yourself, especially certain things, and you don't want to let somebody into that situation. Maybe you have a hard time asking for help. Maybe you see dependence as a sign of weakness. Now, maybe this is because of past experience. For some of you, this goes maybe all the way back to childhood. Maybe people in your life, someone that you should have been able to depend on and to care for you, maybe they didn't care for you well, and so that's made it hard to depend on others. Or maybe you've been really let down by a relationship or another community, and and you opened up, but when you did, it didn't feel like others came around you, and they really cared for you, responded in the way that you hoped they would, and so you're really hesitant when it comes to depending on anyone. When we struggle with this in our relationships with one another in our day-to-day life, this tends to pour over into our relationship with God or the relationship we even don't yet have with God because this is a struggle. But the alternative is what? The alternative is, is this, that we go it alone and we carry all the weight and responsibility on ourselves. That we trust in ourselves and we rely on ourselves above everything and everyone else. Here's what I want to ask. What if self-reliance isn't the answer? What if there's a much better way? 
As we think about starting a new year and we step into this new chapter as a church, as one fellowship, my hope for today is that in this passage that we're going to look at from Galatians, that we're reminded of this beautiful truth, and this passage helps to center our hearts and our minds around the beauty and need for Jesus, for his gospel, and for one another for what's ahead. If you aren't familiar with Galatians, here's just a brief glimpse into this book. This is Paul's letter to churches that he planted and he loved deeply, but who had been led astray by false teachers who came in and they were trying to convince people that Jesus alone was not enough, that they needed to bring something to the table, that they needed to work for their place in this family. And what Paul brings to light, especially is this relationship between the law and the gospel one that's incredibly independent and self-reliant and one that's completely the opposite. And as we unpack this for the next few minutes, we get a glimpse into this beautiful reality, one of these beautiful aspects of the gospel called family. So if you would pray with me one more time and then we're gonna dive into this passage in Galatians. Jesus, thank you for your love for us. Thank you for your care. We pray that as we Look at this passage, Jesus, that you would open up our hearts and open up our minds to what you have for us, that you would show us that you are reliable, that you are good. Father, that you would remind us of your goodness. Maybe today we bring a lot in and we just simply need a reminder. Maybe today we bring in a lot and we need a new reality in our lives. We need a new today and tomorrow. We need a new relationship. We need a relationship with you. Whatever it is, would you meet us where we are through the power of the Holy Spirit and would your word transform us? We pray this, Jesus, in your name, amen. So let's dive right in here. Galatians chapter three, we're gonna start in verse 23. You heard it read. Here's what Paul's saying. Now before faith came, we were held captive under the law. We were imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. So then the law was our guardian under, until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith. So the law, this list of rules that we find in the Old Testament, what Paul's saying is this held two purposes. Here's the first one. To imprison and to hold us captive. To imprison and to hold us captive, how? For what reason? To the reality of our sin. To the reality of our brokenness and our inability to solve it. To remind us that we're in need. And secondly, it says that it's to serve as a guardian and a guide so that people would live in a way that honored God as they looked forward to Christ's coming. But now, as Paul says in verse 25, but now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. When I was a child, I got to witness something that made a lasting impact on me then, and it still makes a lasting impact on me now. One of my older cousins, Teresa, and her husband, Alan, they were foster parents. And growing up as a child, I would watch them bring other children into their family and care for them for a time to be their guardian. And there were two children that came um, through their home and they really just felt led to bring those children into the family. And so they, they pursued that. And I remember some of the back and forth trips to different offices and between visits. And I remember distinctly this amazingly joyful day, actually a couple days because these both happened at different times. But the joy that came when these children were no longer under guardians but they received a new name, they were brought into the family, and they now had a mother and father, and they were secure in this family. It was amazing, it was beautiful, it's, it's what Paul's getting at here. 
one of the most powerful words that exists in our language, adoption. And when it comes to adoption, I want you to think about this. Who holds the power? It's not the adoptee. It's the one who's doing the adopting. And so here's the first half of the big idea that Paul's making here. You can't work your way into the family. You can't work your way into the family. God's not in the business of hiring workers. He's in the business of adopting children. So how do we gain access into this family? Here's what we see, is that it's only through faith. What kind of faith? Faith like a child. Jesus says this in Matthew 18, three. And he, Jesus said, truly, I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Faith like a child, this doesn't mean simple or blind faith. We need to understand the culture here. In culture at this time, children were seen as very lowly because they didn't work and they didn't have anything to offer as far as provision for the family or anything to really add to culture. And so understanding that, what Jesus means when he says to come with faith like a child, here's what it is. A child would come with open hands knowing that they had nothing to offer. Trusting that who they're coming to would not turn them away and reject them, but would care for them. So what Jesus is calling us to is to come like children who have open hands, knowing that we don't bring anything to the table. That he's gonna care for us, he's gonna protect us, he's not gonna turn his back on us. In fact, when we come to Jesus, it may be, hey, Jesus, what I do have to offer you is some of my doubts. What I do have to offer you is, is a past with a lot of brokenness. What I do have to offer you actually is a lot of pain and even anger and confusion. These are the things that I do have to offer you, but as I come, I'm trusting that you're gonna, you're gonna receive me and you're gonna care for me and you're not gonna reject me. But we struggle with this because we can see dependence as weak. We, have, we live in a society that sees dependence as weak. This idea of you do you, go it alone, be your own person, we praise complete independence. But when it comes to the family of God, only the dependent, only the humble, only the needy, only the broken, only the weak are welcomed in. But when you are, here's what's amazing. You not only get new life in Jesus, which is absolutely fantastic, you get a new identity and you get a new name. That when you come into this family, you're no longer a spiritual orphan. And with this new identity comes a new reality that the world no longer says my name is my past, that the world no longer says my name is my faults, that the world no longer says my name is my failures, that my name is my insecurities. Instead, I am and forever will be known by a new name with a new identity as a son or daughter of God, fully loved and accepted, and no one can take that away from me. Isn't that good news? That's what we enter into, and it doesn't even stop there. Not only do we get this new name and new identity, we get a new family. We get one another to care for one another, to walk alongside one another, to bear one another's burdens. You are all a part of this amazing family and the redemptive story of Jesus, that we're not going it on our own, that we're not on our own little mini islands to just try to make it through life, but you have one another. If you look around and see one another in this room, this isn't by happenstance, this is by God's provision and his plan 
that you would be part of a family, that you would not be a spiritual orphan, that you would have a new name and you would have a new future and it would be absolutely secure that no one can take it away from you, that nobody can touch it, that it doesn't matter what comes tomorrow, that it doesn't matter what you did in your past, that by faith, through grace of Jesus, you are a son and daughter of the king. And that's not changing. And that's the reality we live in. And over this family, we have a father who absolutely loves us. Hear this. God the father loves you. When he looks at you today, he doesn't see your past, he doesn't see your faults. When he looks at you today, he sees Jesus. Jesus, his son, who he loves deeply, and he loves you. For some of you, maybe you didn't grow up with the best example of a father. And so maybe that's created a bit of a barrier in seeing God as a good father. Instead, maybe you see him as a bit of a judge. Maybe you see him as a bit distant. But here's the type of father that we have inside of this new family of faith. We have a tender father who loves his children. Look at what Luke 1 says. Because of the tender mercy of God, giving light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet in the way of peace. We have a father who feels when we feel. Look at Jeremiah 14. Speak this word to them. Let my eyes overflow with tears night and day without ceasing. For the virgin daughter, my people have suffered a grievous wound, a crushing blow. And hear this. We have a father who never walks out on his kids. And we know that because he gave his only son, Jesus, to prove that. And he gives you the Holy Spirit that indwells in you and other brothers and sisters around you. And so when you feel like you're going it alone, remember that God literally dwells within you and he always will. He never walks out on his kids. This is a father who loves you. This is a father who likes you. This is a father who wants to spend time with you. One of the most meaningful things as a kid that I can remember is my dad would get off work at 4.30 p.m. each day and he would come home and if it was nice outside, we would immediately go to the backyard and we would throw around a baseball, a football, or we'd shoot baskets. He didn't have to do this. He was tired. He had worked. But he wanted to spend time with me. And that meant so much to me because it shows that he cared for me. Here's the beginning of trust. Here's the beginning of reliance. It doesn't start unless we believe that a person actually cares for us. And in this case, it doesn't start until we believe that God actually cares for us, that we'll trust in him and rely on him. He does. His word holds true. So how is this all possible? That we can have a family like this. Here's what verse 27 says. For as many of you as you were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free, male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. What Paul is saying here, we can't miss it, is incredibly countercultural. It was one thing to put Jewish people and Gentiles on the same level, but it was a completely another thing to put women and those who were slaves on the same level as men and those who were free during this time. So what is Paul talking about here when he says this? He's not talking about a genderless society. He's talking about salvation. He's talking about entrance into this family, this new family of faith, that it's not your works that get you into the family, that it's not your status that gets you into the family, it's not your last name, it's not the neighborhood you grew up in, it's not the title that you hold. The key in all of this is being baptized into Christ and putting on Christ. Not water baptism here, but salvation. Being baptized into him and putting on Christ. In ancient Rome, when someone would build a bridge, an architect, it was a custom that that architect would be asked to come and stand underneath the bridge that had just been built 
as the first load was put on the bridge. Better make sure you got some good craftsmanship, right? For this very purpose, to see if he actually trusted in what he had built or if it was going to crush him. Now, as you think about that, think about our life because we built a bridge with our own life. It was a bridge built by sin and we put on our guilt and brokenness and this weighed down heavier and heavier and heavier and just as it's about to crush us, as this load is so heavy and we're standing underneath it and we can't go anywhere and we're completely helpless, Jesus comes and he steps in and he says, let me take your place. You step over here to safety. I'm gonna stand under this bridge in your place. And as the weight of our sin and the brokenness of our lives came crashing down on Jesus, he was completely crushed, willingly on our behalf, completely broken. But because Jesus is almighty and because Jesus is God and because Jesus is good and because the Father looked down and said, that's a good payment, Jesus overcame and he came out of the rubble and he came out of the brokenness and he overcame our sin. He overcame your worst day. He overcame your tomorrows. He overcame the mistakes of your past and he rebuilt this bridge with his very life and it's this bridge of grace and he no longer asks you to just stand underneath it. Instead, he invites you over it into the family, God's family to be forever a part of this family. And now any man, any woman, no matter your class, no matter your past, no matter your race, anyone, man, woman, a child, you are now invited into this family in faith, by his grace. Whoo, that's good news for all of us. Now you might be sitting there as I share that and you might say, yeah, 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 but what about my past? grace. No, but you don't understand. I deal with things where I have a tough time even looking in the mirror each day because I know what I've done. You don't know what I've done. Grace by faith. Yeah, but okay, I hear that. But what about the doubts that I have? Because I've got some questions. Grace by faith. I believe it's, it's Tim Keller who says this. He says, it's not the strength of your faith. It's the object of your faith that saves you. Maybe you come today with very little faith. Here's the truth, Jesus is gonna meet you there. Maybe it was tough for you to even walk in here today because you're really just struggling and you feel like you're you're hanging on by a thread when it comes to faith. Jesus will meet you over and over, time and time again. Once we've been washed clean through the blood of Christ, baptized into him, when the Father thinks about you, When the father sees you, first and foremost, he sees you as his child. I want this to blow your mind for a minute because it blows my mind. That through Christ, your place in the family is just as secure as Christ. Through Christ, your place in the family is just as secure as Christ because you're found in him. I was thinking about our church this week and I love the picture that this paints, one fellowship of one family coming together with all of our baggage, with all of our stories, with all of our differences from different places, with faith like children, with open hands, knowing that we need Jesus and we need one another, that we can't do it on our own. And we're asking God to take all of our individual parts and to bring us together and to make us into one family, a family of love and a grace that are being sent out on one mission, a mission of redemption with purpose out into our neighborhoods to bring and invite others into the family, that everyone's welcome here, that it's not because of what you've done, but because it's it's because of what Jesus has done and who he says that you are. 
that through Christ, we're brought into an inclusive family of grace, not an exclusive religion of rules. That every time we gather here and every time we gather out in community as a church family, it's a reminder of this beautiful promise, one that even stretches back thousands of years. Look at this very last verse. And if you are Christ and you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. God's promise to Abraham is pretty interesting. He and Sarah, his wife, they went 75 years without a child. And then God promised that he would be the father of a great nation. And then he went 15 more years without hearing anything. And along the way, if you know this story, Abraham and Sarah, they made some massive mistakes. They made some massive missteps. They rebelled in several different ways. And yet God assures them that he's still gonna be good on his promise. That he doesn't back down, he doesn't walk away, he doesn't kick them out. And then he waits another 10 years and Sarah finally gives birth to a son. And we see God's promise come full circle. When you enter this family of faith, you're connected all the way back to the promise that God made to Abraham, a promise that still stands today as you sit here as a son or daughter in this family. Now, relying on God is not always the easiest thing. Anybody relate with that? It wasn't for Abraham and Sarah at times. It can be difficult for a number of reasons. But the next time that you're tempted to push back or to go it alone or to figure it out on your own, remember that God's promise he made to Sarah and Abraham is just as good for you today as his son or daughter that you're not just forgiven, but you are full heirs with Christ, full rights in the family, a full inheritance coming, that this is not it, that there is a great celebration coming when we enter the kingdom, when we see Jesus face to face, and it's not gonna be a frown on his face, it's gonna be a smile as the father opens up his arms and he welcomes in the family. Then he says, come on in, I'm so glad you're here. because he's not in the business of hiring workers. He's just in the business of adopting children. This is how much God loves you and proof that he always will, that no matter what today looks like, your, your future is secure, that God's plan is good. So what now? I wanna challenge us with just three things. First and foremost, to rely, that we would rely on Jesus, our one savior. Maybe you got invited here today. Maybe you've been coming for several weeks or several years and maybe today's the, the day that you're like, I don't have a relationship with Jesus. Maybe for a long time you thought that God wants nothing to do with you or that you needed to clean yourself up or that you needed to wait until a certain time or, or whatever that may be. Will today be the day that you turn into a child? That you unclench your fist, that you open up your hands, that you give him your past, your brokenness, all of it and that you receive his grace and forgiveness and new life. Or maybe you've been a child of God, but you know deep down that reliance is something that's difficult when it comes to relying on God and when it comes to opening up and being vulnerable and relying on one another. Would today be the day that you would have an honest moment with God that you would again unclench your fists and that you would hand those things over, that you would open up with God and with one another in community? Would you also rest 
in your one true identity, the truest thing about you, if you have faith in Jesus, that you are a forgiven, completely forgiven, completely clean, completely loved son and daughter, and take a breath. As the world weighs down on your shoulder, would you take a breath, realizing your greatest, realest, truest identity today as a son or daughter in the family? And lastly, would we as one church reach out because we have this reliance, because we have this new name and new identity, would we reach out in inviting others and helping guide them into the family? I want you to imagine this for a moment. Imagine the impact one fellowship could have throughout Charleston and beyond, not as an organization, not as a club, but as a family of faith fully reliant on the grace of Jesus, that we are so assured of our place in the family that instead of trying to prove ourselves or put on masks or measure up, we have the freedom to step into one another Others' brokenness, into others' brokenness, loneliness, confusion, and doubts, that we as a people would flood our neighborhoods wherever we go, throughout Charleston and beyond, not with self-help, not with another piffy saying, but with the good news of Jesus that changes everything into our neighborhoods with the gospel, an inclusive invitation into a growing family where instead of rejection, you find hope, where instead of resistance, you find rest where instead of judgment, you find grace. And instead of another religious law, you find Jesus. What a beautiful picture that would be. That's what we want for our community, isn't it, church? That's what we wanna see Jesus do throughout, that he's building a kingdom, and it's a kingdom, it's a family, and he is inviting more and more children in, and we get to be the ambassadors of his grace. We get to take this good news message out, that as our lives have been changed and we've received a new name, we get to share that with others, and we get to pray that the Holy Spirit would move, remove blinders, and that he would lead more wayward children into this beautiful family, this family of faith. Here's some great news that I wanna leave us with. It's the whole picture of this big idea that you can't work your way in, but through faith in Jesus, you're completely welcomed and your place in the family is completely secure. Good news, amen? So let us start this new year as a family of faith, on a mission of faith, believing that God is gonna do far more than we can even imagine as we step out in faith with the good news and grace of Jesus. Jesus, thank you for your word and thank you for your life and thank you for the message of hope. God, I pray for us as a people. I pray for myself. I pray for my brothers and sisters that where we're struggling this morning, where there's something that's lingering, whether that's hurt, pain, a wound, something undone, that we would bring that to you today that we would hand that over, that we would have faith like a child. I pray that for those of us who just need a reminder today of who you say we are, that we would rest in our new identity, our permanent identity, not named by our past, not named by our tomorrow, but named by you as a son or daughter. God, I pray that as we sit here, maybe somebody comes to our mind, even in this room, that we would come around them and we would bear a burden and we would offer prayers and we would plead on their behalf because that's what families do. We don't run away from problems, we run to them. Just like Jesus, you ran into our greatest problem, our sin. And so would we be that kind of family. 
Jesus, we pray as a church that if anyone is sitting here today that hasn't yet stepped into the family, that today would be the day and we would celebrate it as you would celebrate it in heaven. Jesus, would you lead us into this next year reliant on you, knowing that you are a good son and we have a good father and focused on your mission, a mission of redemption, a mission of grace, a mission that comes with good news. Jesus, thank you for the family you formed and the family you're forming. We pray these things in your name, amen.